Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would lead us to the cross because it's there that we see what you have uh, done for us and that you have finished it. Uh, You have saved us when we could not save ourselves. I pray we would know that gospel truth. I pray that it would change us from the inside out. Uh, if We wouldn't try to change ourselves from the outside in. But we would let uh, your work, uh, both on the cross and by your spirit right now, uh, melt our hearts, change our hearts, whereby that causes us to change the way we live, to change the way we view relationships, that if we have broken relationships, that you can heal and reconcile uh, any Uh, and that you are working both uh, in us as individuals, us as a church, and the world, Uh, even as we face challenges and even as we see craziness in the news, in our country, on our streets, and in our city, we still know that you're in control and you're doing a mighty work. Uh, And it can begin and never end in the heart of a life that, uh, that receives your work on the cross. I pray that happens. If it has happened to us, it will happen again. If it's never happened, that uh, your Holy Spirit would, would do so in a life today. Thank you, Jesus, for your work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful again to our worship team for leading us uh, in worship. Uh, please take a Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter, towards the end of your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible... There are Bibles on a table that Brother David Carroll's sitting on. You're welcome to grab one. We're going to go through this passage in chapter 2, 1 Peter. Uh, I would say this, uh, if you're not in your Bible uh, today, uh, you will get bored. Uh, and I say that as a, a positive thing because uh, we believe God's Word uh, both speaks uh, better than anything else uh, to us and for us. And so we're going to be talking about uh, this passage in 1 Peter. We are in a series that we call In Not Of. And it's going through 1 Peter. It'll be about nine or ten weeks through Thanksgiving. In Not Of. And it's a phrase that's used for how uh, we as uh, believers, as Christians, uh, should be in the world. Uh, that we're, we're very much in the world because we live in this world. But as Christians, we're called to not be of this world. So 1 Peter is one of my uh, favorite, I guess, letters or books in the Bible. And I really take it as almost a, a, a letter on how to live as a Christian. How we are to live. And our problem, the challenge, is either as a Christian, we're, we're fully in the world and like, you know, just, just totally in there. And so we uh, engage and indulge in the world in, in all of its, its sin. And so we're in, and even though we say we're Christian, we're like, man, I'm, you know, you're, you're really, either you're really not a Christian uh, or you're just straddling this fence. Uh, and, I, and I've lived that way for uh, many years, I mean, decades. Anybody living that way now? Anybody open to saying that they are? Nobody. Okay, well, good. So, no problems whatsoever. But I would say a lot of us are just, man, I'm thankful y'all are here, but you're really in the world. Now, the other challenge is, like, we're totally outside the world. So, we get saved. We're like, man, I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm fully on mission for Jesus, but we separate ourselves, and sometimes this can lead to a, a holier-than-thou syndrome, or, you know, the world is really going to hell, and we just, you know, stay as best we can outside the world, which we really can't, but we try to exclude ourselves, uh, particularly from all those sinners uh, that need um, our witness and the message that we would have. So the challenge for Christians is not to be fully in or not to be fully out, but how to be in and not of the world. I think this passage in 1 Peter 2 is it's a great passage that tells us exactly how to do that, generally speaking. The last two weeks we've talked about hope, and we've talked about being holy, living holy lives. And today this is, this is really a, a general summary of how to live in, not of. Peter, uh, as we go through this letter, he will talk about such things as suffering specifically, marriage specifically, you don't want to miss that Sunday, uh, being part of a church as church leadership, elders and deacons specifically. But here in 1 Peter 2, he generally, and I believe, talks about how we, if we're Christians, because he's writing to Christians, can live in the world and not be of it. And he calls us, he names us, if we're Christians, Living stones. Living stones. And he'll say this over and over again. You are, if you're a Christian, a a living stone. And I I love those words or that phrase because I think it identifies two aspects of life that we, whether you're a Christian or not, really, really want. I would argue every human being wants this. And here's what I mean. We want to be known as strong. I mean... How many of us have called someone else, either to their face or to someone else, say, you know, that person, person's a rock. You know, that, that, that person's my rock. Now, obviously, Jesus is the rock, but someone who's very strong is like, man, they're, they're just a rock. They're so strong. Uh, I could name several of you here in this, in this church body. I'll say, man, they're strong as a rock. And we also want to be fully alive. I mean, alive to uh, God's creation, uh, whether you're a mountain person or a beach person, uh, God's, God's gifts of, of family, of, of children, uh, of parents, of friends, of, of sports. I mean, I love sports. I love football. I love baseball more. But I mean, you know, it's a, it still is a gift of God. I want to be fully alive. And I want to be strong as a rock. So think about that. A living stone. And this here is Peter saying, this is how you be a living stone. And again, I would say, whether you're a Christian or not, I think you want strength, which is good. And I think you want to feel alive. You want to feel depressed. You don't want to feel despondent. You want to feel like there's no purpose in life. You want to feel alive. And that's what I'm saying. If, if we're not in God's word, we'll be bored because nothing else, I would say, can fulfill us or give us what God's words can. Because God's word is, is representing, is presenting to us Christ in the fullest and so here we can see it. So enough there. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2 for all of us who want strength and want to feel alive. That's what he says to us. Verse 1, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, 
rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. All right, we'll stop right there. Okay, living stones. Strength and, re- and to be alive. Uh, I think those come together in relationships. To be strong, we've got to be in relationships. We're strong for relationships. Uh, to be alive, we've got to be in relationships. And I think this passage presents four key relationships for us as Christians. If we want the strength from Christ, if we want to be fully alive. But these four relationships, Peter really breaks down. First one, relationship to God's Word or the Bible. Our relationship to God's Word. Second, our relationship to a local church, like a church here. Not like big church all around the world, but one church. Third, our relationship to Christ. And fourth, our relationship to the world. And to be a living stone, we're in deep with all those relationships, even the relationship with the world, as he breaks down. And he does these in order. So again, relationship to God's word, relationship to a local church, relationship to Christ, relationship to the world. First off, our relationship as Christians to the word of God, to the Bible. He starts this off Verse 1 through 3. He says, put away all malice and like newborn infants, which we got a few here. Amen? Amen? I mean, come on, that's exciting. Give me that. There's two newborn infants here. Oh, come on, guys. That's tepid. I mean, new life, you know. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some new babies here. All good. I didn't know I was going to do that. But as I was reading, I was like, man, we got some new babies here. Long for the pure spiritual milk if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Okay. Three things right there in those couple verses. First off, put away, Peter says. Put away things like malice. Malice is bad. Deceit. Hypocrisy. Envy. Put it away. Uh, The literal uh, Greek word means to to cast it out. And so Peter starts uh, us as Christians saying, cast out all this bad stuff that's in the heart. Cast it out. How do we do that? He contrasts with long for, long for the word of God. And he uses newborn babies uh, as an illustration. I mean, do do newborn babies, they want some milk? They want milk? Get an amen if they want milk? I mean, they do. They want some milk, huh? They're they're longing for it. 
They're ready to go. And so he's saying, like, like that, long for the word of God. And some of you are like, man, that's great, but, like, how do I, I don't really, I mean, let's be honest. You can be like, I don't really long for this. I mean, I long for, I don't know, Sports Illustrated, or I long for the news, or I long for, you know, I'll binge watch a TV show on Netflix. I long for that. long for this. I mean, give me a break, dude. How do you do that? That's a great question. And Peter answered that for us. Verse 3 said, if indeed, and there's an if there, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Because here's the deal. Some of us, Netflix binge watchers, news junkies, you know, sports fanatics, we really haven't tasted that the Lord is good. I mean, it's kind of like, is this what I should do to kind of be a good person? You know, but to really, you don't crave something before you taste it. You got to taste it first. And if you taste it, it's good. Then you start craving it. And so, you know, I could say rise with God. I could say small groups. I could say study God's word. If you haven't tasted that Jesus is good, I mean, it's not pointless. God works through it. But, you know, it's a tough road to hope. So have you tasted Jesus? Like what he, what he says about himself, what he's done. Do you really know he saved you, like from everything? Have you tasted the Lord is good? And if you have, then you're like, man, I do want to know this more and more. You're like, man, I'm excited about going through 1 Peter all the way through, verse by verse. I'm excited to get up early or stay late and be at a Bible. I'm, I want to, I crave God's word. This is what he's given us. It's not a pathway or map to life. It's life. It fills us. That's a very valid question. Have you tasted if he's good? So I love how Peter starts there. And this is to Christians, and he starts with the Word of God. You can say, well, you can start with Jesus. Well, he did. He said, you can do this, but only if you really believe and and feel that the Lord is good, that Jesus is good. And then if you do, I believe you will crave, like a baby longs for me, I believe you'll crave the Word of God to know it its entirety, to see God from Genesis to Revelation, to be curious about it. I mean, a great example is I have a brother. He is like high, highly dyslexic. You know what dyslexia is? Can't read. So all through his life, uh, struggle reading. You know, traditional, um, traditional school settings, he bombed. <laughs> you know, college dropout, went into, you know, like some of us, partying alcohol, took it another step further, drugs, hard drugs, heavy drugs. Uh, he's very open about it, crystal meth type hard stuff, okay? Uh, he's a preacher now, a pastor, praise God. But you know what, pre- amen, you know what preachers, thank you, Miss Heidi. Hey, I'm a clapper, man. I mean, I'm like, man, we need to hear, be in here rejoice. Now, I've, I've told that story before. You probably weren't here that Sunday. Anyway, but love you. Anyway, you know what preachers have to do? We got to read. <laughs> you know, we got we to figure out like verses. We got to use our mind. And, and you could say, well, God's healed him. Well, he doesn't like to read much else, but he loves to read the Bible. And so my point in that is he's tasted that the Lord is good. And, man, you know, God's word is it's here for us. So then if we start there, taste the Lord is good, then we, we say, man, God calls us, because it's very clear in the Bible, to a body, to a church body. 
and to a local church. And here Peter goes on. So verse 4 through 8, look at him. He says, okay, Jesus is the living stone, but you, like living stones, are built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices through Christ. And then he says that Jesus uh, is to be our cornerstone of the local church. And then for some, he can be a rock of stumbling and offense, and they disobey and disbelieve. So it goes from God's word to our relationship as a local church. So our relationship together. And three things he said here for us in the church. First thing is, thing is, thing is, is this word living, verse five, uh, that same word, and I quoted it last week, I'll quote it again. It's John 4.10. I love John 4 because Jesus is talking to the woman in the well. You know, she's had four husbands, shacking up with a guy. And he says to her, you know, if you receive me, you know, I am the living water, same word here, uh, that will never go dry. And it's like a well, I talked about this last week, a well of uh, overflowing joy, I believe, regardless of circumstance that, that goes down in our life. And so this word for living stone is the same living as in John 4.10, the living water that is in us. That is, you know, you want to taste it, that's what he offers, living water. And so first, in the church, we're supposed to, and some do and some don't, but you've got to have a few that do if you want to be a church. So I've got to have this living water. It's like, man, it's a, it's a joy. Uh, it's a blessing. Uh, you're part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of uh, a vision that's not a statement crafted by man, but it's God's redemption, which means salvation and restoration of the world through the church. And it's like a big deal. And you, and you, you can get excited about coming to church, not because of a type of music or a type of preaching or teaching, but like you feel a call and it's like, Man, I am part of this greater deal than just me or just, just some church that happens to be called Bellwether or that happens to be located here. Like, it's a big deal, and you feel this joy, like, alive, like John 4.10, living water, living stone. You have that. And this big story, it actually goes way back, talking about the Bible. A holy priesthood, verse 5. Uh, the priests were set up. Uh, yes, in that, you know, exciting uh, book of the Bible that we call Leviticus. I know that we've never done a study th- through, but, you know, the priesthood set up. And so we're a continuation of what went down from Exodus to Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. We're a continuation of that as the church. So our ancestry goes all the way back there. That's why it's important. Why need, we need to know that more and more. So to be alive, living. There is this, this past history that we can connect to. Then there's a call that you have. And there's a call in, in the church. And it's not just to come to church, although that can be a sacrifice too. But he says, he makes it clear, a spiritual sacrifice in the church, acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. You know, we have a lot of brothers and sisters that make sacrifices, and they do so uh, with joy. Whether it's greeting, uh, playing, serving, telling y'all when to go down the communion line, uh, teaching, uh, serving our youth. That's a good thing, and I'm very thankful for them. And honestly, I want more people to serve. And not just because we need it, but we do. That's because the Bible says, make spiritual sacrifice. Here, it's very clear. 
And it's a spiritual sacrifice. It's also a physical one. Sometimes you have to get up early. And, but it's a spiritual sacrifice to give to the body. And the only reason we're really able to do this is the third thing, that Jesus is the center, the cornerstone. You know, I looked up the, the definition of cornerstone uh, this, this week. You know, we hear it, we sang it today, if you remember singing that song, Christ Alone Cornerstone, I'm not going to sing. But the cornerstone is, is literally the stone at the bottom on the corner that, that holds everything together. It holds it all together. And if Jesus is not our cornerstone, as in like if, if he doesn't hold this deal together, then and we are just like playing, playing church, faking church. I mean, why we do what we do? Why we say Jesus calls us to neighbors and nations? Some might say, well, it's too missional for me. And that's the gospel. That's like why we're here. To go to neighbors and nations too. It's not just nations. We highlight in India. We'll highlight our streets and neighborhoods and schools around here too. But God does call us out. And that's a sacrifice. But we do it for joy that Jesus is the cornerstone of our life and our church. And with that being said, if you're in a church and you're in God's word, so remember that relationship to God's word, relationship to a church, then you start growing your relationship with Christ more. There's a pattern here. There's a trajectory here. Peter started relationship to God's word, relationship to the church, and then verse 9 and 10, he really gets in our relationship to Christ himself. Okay? And, and this is actually these two verses, two of my favorite in all the Bible. I'm going to read them again in full. He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These two verses show three things. God's glory, God's gifts, God's grace. It's really packed in these two verses. The glory of God, the gifts of God, the grace of God. I've preached specifically on these two verses before. I don't know when it was, but um, you could go back. I was thinking about it. I think it was around Christmas, as a matter of fact. But anyway, I digress. These two verses, glory of God, the gifts of God, the grace of God, our relationship with Jesus. And I'm being serious here. We should really see, experience the glory of God in our relationship with Jesus. We should experience the gifts of God in our relationship with Christ. And most of all, we should experience the grace of God. And if you're not experiencing his grace, then you're basing your life on trying to prove yourself or trying to work your salvation through, I don't know, just being a good person somehow. And it's, you're going to fall flat. Or the pressures and expectations of school, of college, of a job, of a marriage are going to crush you at some point if you don't experience the grace. You're like, well, how do I see that here? Well, the glory of God. Proclaim the excellencies. Excellencies. Glory of God is excellent. There's power, as I said. You, have to, you do have to believe, but you have to see a big God. It's excellent. In your life, in the church, in the world. The glory of God. The gifts of God. Uh, we've talked a lot about this in the church. Every Christian has a gift. It may just be one, but every Christian has one gift. And you can actually, we've done studies on this too in small groups, you can break them down as either a prophet gift priest gift, or king gift. Let me say that again. Either prophet-type gift, priest-type gift, king-type gift, because Jesus was a prophet, priest, and king. 
You're like, well, what do those look like? Prophet, priest, and king. Well, a prophet here to proclaim. So prophets live out the gospel, speak out the gospel, preach out the gospel. It doesn't mean you've got to be a pastor to have a prophet gift, but you do speak and live the gospel out in your life. So you can be an example. You can say a tough word to a brother or sister. You can sometimes have the ability to teach. That doesn't mean stand up here. It might, uh, but it certainly means spell out in a group or one-to-one. You have a prophetic gift. Prophets speak and live the gospel out. Priestly gift is one of caring and love, although love goes across all of them, but you really can love the gospel in. You know, you really love caring, shepherding, uh, mentoring, checking in on folks, visiting folks. This is a priestly gift. Jesus ministered that way too. And then the king gift is really an organizing, a strategy gift. So I've heard it said like this. Prophets preach and live the gospel out. Priests live the gospel in. Kings figure out how it all gets done. Okay? So, but some have a gift of strategy and organization and like know how to put the pieces together. I don't, but, okay? But the other two I feel more comfortable in. So you have a gift. And you need to experience in your relationship with Christ the gifts of God. And then finally, and most importantly, you've got to experience the grace of God. And he says it here, verse 10, once you are not a people, look at that, once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received mercy, but had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, this is a direct quote. This is a direct quote. Peter knew it. Hosea, Hosea 2.23 says the same thing. You are not a people, now you are God's people. And if you, uh, you biblical scholars out there know uh, the book of Hosea, it's about a prophet whose wife, get this, cheated on him so bad, and some of you may have some experience there, cheated on him so bad that he wanted to cast her out, uh, not be reconciled, because, you know, he had, you know, biblical recourse. I mean, she cheated on him, had adultery. And he was a prophet. He was like God's man. So, you know, it's kind of like preacher and the wife strays. And God calls him to call her back. And God uses her as an example of his own people. And the prophet Hosea, and it's really a fascinating book. The prophet Hosea sees himself in his wife that he is a sinner too. And he has strayed from God, just like we all have. And God says the same thing that all of you once went astray, but now through the grace of Christ, through the blood of Christ, lead me through the cross, we can be God's people. If you don't know that, then we've got to rewind all the way to the beginning and you're not tasting, you're not tasting it as good as, at all. If you're like, man, I'm, I'm really great. I mean, I'm, I'm rocking this life out. That's, those are the toughest folks to kind of get grasp the grace. And it is tough. And then I would say, you don't know yourself and you don't know the gospel. And then Peter closes and we'll close our relationship to the world. Because here, and again, this really spells out how to live. It really spells out in, not of. And he's talking to Christians. You start, have you tasted the Lord is good? In God's word. Curious about it. Craving it. In a local church. Connected with Jesus the cornerstone. 
And then you, you grow in that relationship with Christ and discover his grace and his gifts and then his glory. And then we go out. And I love it. It's a pattern here. If you see it, and it's a trajectory. He says, you do this and then you're not to just remain here or not to just cluster together all the time. Not only to gather what's important, but to scatter. You know, Monday through Saturday and Sunday afternoon and Sunday lunch. And he says, go out into the world. You are sojourners. That means this world is not our home. You are exiles. He says, look at this, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war. Peter is not mincing words. He's saying, there are these passions. They are really waging war, like right now. And abstain. And the only way we can do this is through that relationship with Christ. In a local church body that keeps us accountable. I got to have lunch with a brother uh, today. I'm going to keep him accountable. Some passions are waging war. And he's losing, okay? Big time. But a local, and I'm going to do it in love and grace and soft, hopefully. I don't know. My wife will call me out if I don't. But we'll see how it goes. But I love him. I love him. Anyway, and then you've got to be in God's word. If you have those things, you can go out. You can abstain. And we can keep, look at this. I love this. You can keep your conduct among the Gentiles. And what Peter means by that would be unbelievers, honorable. So that even if people make fun of us, uh, and they will. Even if people persecute us, you know, let's say, let's give you an example. If you're in a, a bad business arrangement, or the business arrangement has turned really, really sour, and you're wanting to witness, and maybe the best way to do it is to extricate yourself, and, and you're persecuted for that, you still can keep your conduct honorable. So Peter says, at some point, God's still working. They may see your good deeds and give glory to God. So sometimes our witness is not just, you know, really proclaiming Jesus. It's just about our conduct. And, and Peter's saying here, you know, Christians, Christian brothers and sisters, we should be the best citizens on earth. Our conduct should be honorable. We're citizens of heaven truly, but while we're citizens on earth, we should be the best citizens. We should love our neighbor. This is a great map, great plan here. Hope you see it and... and as I spell this out, my prayer is that you want it. You want to be a living stone. I think you do. I think it's what we all want, and we don't even realize the Bible has the answer for us. We want to be strong. We want to be fully alive. And this, again, Peter's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians then, and the beauty and miracle of God's Word, he's talking to us now, from 1,900 years ago to right today. It speaks into our lives. So you're like, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I start? It's very simple. First, got to see, and, and that's something I can't force upon you or make you do. It's really Holy Spirit. So that's why I come back to, you know, God, I pray the, the, the blockades around the heart, you know, you just push aside, and you got to see this big God, and then you can pray. You say, God, I want this. And, and the answer is right here. God's word, the answer is right here. His church, the answer is right here. Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the answer is right out there, the world, as we go to lunch today. It's right here. It's not, it's not complicated. It's not calculus. I failed calculus, okay? It's, it's easy. It's easy. I want you to win. I can't force it upon you. It's like, well, how do I do it? You got to see. Holy Spirit, break down the blockades. You got to receive, and you got to pray. Give it to me, and it's right here. God's word, us as a body, Holy Spirit. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your power, your glory, the gifts you've given all of us, your word. May we taste it for the first time or taste it again. And for those of us that are really searching and or straddling the fence, I just pray we'd see your word is truth and, and the answer for the deepest longings of our heart. It's not in fame or fortune or status. You offer it to us freely. May we receive it. And I just pray, brothers and sisters here, uh, would, and that they would taste that you are good and you have good things for them. In your name, amen.